0: We had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but we're back. We're picking up with talking about Glover Teixeira versus Israel Adesanya. Shawan was diving into breaking down that fight. And go ahead, Shawan, turning it over to you right now. Yeah, well, if you have Glover
1: against Israel Adesanya, the main advantage he has is his wrestling, his size, and his grappling. On paper, that's a very tough matchup for Israel Adesanya. But the whole, the whole, the story behind that is. Glover isn't a very great technician, not with his pressure footwork, not with his striking. Against somebody again, like Santos and some of the other guys he's beaten, those guys are fundamentally flawed in how they fight. They don't have, have good footwork. They don't have a sharp range of strikes. They don't have leads and counters and defenses to pressure or to the big right hand or to a basic body shot. They don't have those things. They use speed and aggression or speed and, and length or speed and size to navigate those things. And when you lean on attributes, it's a guy who's got enough experience, a little bit of durability, and a good understanding of concepts and strategy, he can take advantage of that because when you get in bad spots, you don't know how to get out of them. Against Israel, it would be really hard to put him in bad spots. You know how hard it would be for him to get Israel up against the cage? Just off his footwork alone? You know how hard it would be to get that first step into the entry off a jab and straight, and straight punch counters? It would be really hard to get to the spots he needs to get to. If he gets to him, Israel's in trouble. If he can maintain him and lock his hands and get, drag him down, but if he's getting chopped up on the way in and chopped up on the way out when he's missing, the likelihood of him doing that is, 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 is very, very low. And is a very efficient, very athletic, very dynamic fighter. Now, I don't know what he looks like at light heavyweight. Maybe he's slower. Maybe he's sloppier. But if everything's equal and I assume that he's on point to fight and he, he's, a, he's the same athlete, it's hard to pick against them because Gover Teixeira relies on people making mistakes and on the feet – Israel Asanya doesn't have any mistakes to make. And the question is, can he get to him to the ground before he gets so punished or so worn out that when he gets him to the ground, he can't get into position to finish or he can't get in position to control. So that's what makes that fight so difficult for him. He's got an experience advantage. He's got a grappling advantage. But how does he get the fight to the ground? He's not a tremendous wrestler. He's not a tremendous athletic wrestler either. And he, he's not very durable. So those things don't lend themselves to him getting to the spots he wants to and him being able to execute the way he wants to against a guy with that kind of hole in his game
0: true I'm not gonna not gonna dive in any further on that because I agree with you yeah you know Glover would have that if he if he gets if he gets a grip on him chance but I just think he's gonna get picked apart before he has opportunity to do that and Izzy's not going to let Glover get back up like Diago did twice on Saturday and be able to submit him in that way um Let's talk about that Coleman event where Andre Oloski continues to win at heavyweight, beating uh, Bozer, I believe, by unanimous decision. Was it unanimous, it was um, beating Tanner Bozer via unanimous decision. Uh, Andre Oloski continues to find ways to win. This is his third fight he's won in, in a row. I saw an interesting a interesting recommendation of putting Andre Oloski against Greg Hardy. What do you think about that fight?
1: Uh, I mean, it'd be a good fight. Greg Hardy, even though he's tremendously physically limited, I mean, technically limited, he's, he's a world-class athlete. He's got explosiveness, strength, agility, and re- reaction time. It's almost far superior to most, most heavyweights. I mean, he went three rounds with Volkov and, and, uh, Hardy's not a top level ref- heavyweight. And was it Walt Harris? Walt Harris fought Volkov recently and he got finished and he's, 10 times the fighter as far as skill and experience than Greg Hardy. But there's something to be said for athleticism, conditioning, and durability which Greg Hardy has. So if Greg Hardy can land something big, he could probably put Andre Arlovski out, but the fact is, there's such a gap in skill that the only way he wins is based off athleticism. It, what Andre Arlovski is doing is similar to what Glover Teixeira is doing. It's similar to what Frank Mir did when he went on that run that heavyweight run in the UFC. Like I said, at heavyweight and light heavyweight guys don't the division is so thin. The guys don't get to build experience. They don't learn to work at a bad spot. They don't learn how to set things up because guys are the talent is so thin. You're blowing through a bunch of nobodies who don't have a skill set or experience. Then you get to some veteran and you hit him hard. And either he doesn't go away, or you get him in the spots you're about to finish him. And you're so aggressive, he submits you, reverses position and finishes you. Or from the feet, you get too greedy, you walk into a big counter. And it's not, not so much that they're so good. It's just you're so reckless. You, have, you lack maturity and you lack poise that you can't take the right shots or put the right shots together to finish a guy who's physically compromised. Same thing with this guy. He's fighting Arvlowski. Arvlowski, there's nothing he's seen. There's nothing he hasn't seen at heavyweight. In fact, if he had a better chin, I don't know that Arvlowski would have been the greatest one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. He's fought the best guys in the UFC and of the UFC. And even when he's lost recently, it's been split decision loss. It's been contested losses against guys who have every— Physical advantage in the book over him. So when he fights this guy, all he does is use veteran craft. He fights when he wants to fight. He controls the pace. He controls when and how you're engaging. And he breaks the guy down. He doesn't have to really do a lot. He just has to wait for the guy to make the mistakes Because a lot of these guys don't have identities. And they're not used to being in fights where they can't have it their way. And this was yet another young heavyweight with some experience, some durability, who's learning his craft against a guy who, for all intents and purposes, might as well be a master at his craft. I mean, he hasn't been elite in years, but he, at one point, he was one of the best heavyweights in the world. He's competed in all sorts of divisions. You know, there's, there's little that you're going to show him that he hasn't seen. Speed, he's seen that before. Power, he's seen that before. A little bit of wrestling, he's seen that before. Striking, he's seen that before. What, is, what was that guy going to bring to Arvalovsky that Arvalovsky hasn't seen? It's just a matter of will his chin hold up? Will his cardio hold up? And when you have a guy with that, when you have that much of a gap as far as experience, you can find spots to rest, you can find spots to control. You can- Find spots to impose your will it's on your younger opponents it's his job to make the adjustments but when you never face that kind of resistance not just getting beat up but getting beat up beat up in a very cerebral and mature manner you don't know how to respond you know how to respond to a guy throwing big bombs you know how you don't know how to respond to a guy controlling the pace controlling when you throw punches controlling when you don't and slowly picking you apart you know he might not even felt like he was really losing the fight but the fact is Arvaki had control of that fight almost from the word go. Whether, whatever the other, his opponent did, he never really had control of the fight. And that, that's based off of just having the experience of being on the big stage, being in main events, co-main events, and knowing how to handle people whose best skill is their physical attributes. Especially when the guy has physical attributes that he's not elite. That guy's not an elite athlete. So you got an a above-average athlete with above-average power but not great power with pretty average skills against a guy with Arvalovsky's resume. I mean, what, what did y'all think was going to happen? That he was going to lose? No, that wasn't going to happen. That was never going to happen.
0: So let me ask you this question about Andre here. Is he a Hall of Famer? Why or why not?
1: Um, I could see Hall of Famer because, you know, I mean, most heavyweights don't get to the point he's, I mean, his, his point is career, He's still a top, he's been a top 10 heavyweight since what, 1990, you know? Oh, at some point or another, he was top ten ranked in the, in the in late '90s. He's top ten ranked in two thousand. He's top ten ranked at one point in the two thousand and ten, and now he's top ten ranked in the two thousand and twenty. That's like you know, I mean, you know, this is like essentially a what is he forty something? He's been fighting for like twenty something years, give or take. So he's like for the better part of his career, he's he's been in some organizations top top ten, and at one time he was the best heavyweight in the world and beat the best heavyweight in the world. I mean, just off those marks alone. You, 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 have to, you have to give him that. I mean, in my opinion, just off those marks alone, you have to give him that. He's dominated in at least two different, two, two different time frames. You know, for about, uh, what is he now, 40-something? 20-year period, he's been a competitive as a heavyweight. And for about 10 or 13 of that, he's been a top five to seven heavyweight. Just off longevity alone, I mean, Tim Sylvia hasn't fought in how long? And our, our velocity is still fighting. Frank Mir hasn't fought in how long? And Arlovski is still a top-ranked heavyweight in the world, and all the guys who are around him and compared to him aren't really anymore. Payador isn't. Frank Mir isn't. Tim Sylvia isn't. I mean, Rico Rodriguez isn't. Randy Couture isn't. You know, I mean, he's outlasted some of the greats. So yeah, just off longevity and and the level he's been fighting at, I think you have to give it to him.
0: Last question I want to ask you here about uh, Arlovsky. I wasn't planning on us going down this rabbit hole talking about him, but is he a top ten heavyweight of all time? He's got to be top ten, right? It, like in that group.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there's an there's an argument too. Even the even the fact that he's lost to some of the better heavyweights, like when he fought Fedor, he lost, but he was given Fedor the, he was given a, a prime Fedor the business, you know. And he was he was he was one of the first he was one of the first heavyweight champions and. And given the fact that at one point he was one of the better strikers, and like I said, the just the longevity of it, it, it's hard not to say it. Now, you might not say he, he wasn't as dominant as a Cain Velasquez. He wasn't as dominant as a Fedor or a Noguera. But those guys, didn't, they didn't maintain their potency in their career for as long as he did. He's outlasted them all. He's fought in multiple organizations. He's been a top heavyweight in, in almost all of them. And he's faced the who's who. So I, I, I just off longevity, probably in the lower part of the 10, nothing worse than maybe a top 13, 15 heavyweight, at worst. It's hard for me to think of 10 other heavyweights with a resume better than him and a career longer than him. I, I really can't think of a whole lot.
0: That's stuff there, sir. Let's, um... Where we going? Next... I wanted to talk about
1: the Gedalia fight real quick.
0: Go ahead. I was going to move on to that next.
1: Yeah, my apologies. Um, this is the problem with Gadelia, And I, I can say this because I've actually... I worked with one of her accounts for a fight with Carolina Kulkevich. This is the problem that's always been with her. First of all, she, for as experienced as she is, she does not fight with veteran savvy. She really doesn't. She, she has this instance of trying to force takedowns and chase takedowns. And as we all know, you're a grappler. You competed in wrestling, you train people, you grapple yourself. Takedowns take a lot of energy. And when you can't do anything with them, or you can't get them, you burn a lot of energy. Claudia Gadelia is a fighter who's had a limited gas tank from the word go. This has been the case the entirety of her career. So instead of navigating her weakness or, you know, building around it to minimize it, she insists on exposing that weakness. In every single fight, she's chasing a takedown, forcing a takedown, holding somebody up a cage, not doing a, not doing a goddamn thing, burning energy that she does not have to burn. She did it again. Hill. She was a little bit better about it against Hill. She did it against Ansarov. She did it against Andrade. She did it against Joanna. And she did it against uh, Ayan Jotan. I, I think I said her name right. She did it last Saturday night. And every time she does it, she wastes energy. She's not busy. And she exposes herself. And when well, she slows down, later in fights, even if it's just a little bit, people take over. And they take fights that she was winning and terms them the fights she's either losing badly or losing to decision. And that's all that ha- happened. She chased takedowns. She chased clinch attempts. She wasted energy. And she, she was fighting a younger, fresher opponent who was able to set a pace and then build on that pace. Claudia's only chance of winning that was to control the pace, use feints, use a jab, kick the legs, attack the body, things of that nature, hit reactive takedowns, not chase takedowns, hit reactive takedowns. And she didn't do that in that fight. It was all chasing, it was all pressing, and she doesn't have the cardio. And if basketball, football, grappling, whatever sport you're in, if you're not in good shape, and you, don't know, you, you, you know that you can't maintain a pace, or you know that you have to pick your spot, you're at a constant disadvantage no matter how much better a skill set you have than somebody. Because you know that if you don't finish this in this fight, or, or you don't get these spots, you can't win it. You're gonna get tired, you're gonna get slow, you're going to get clumsy, and you're going to get outworked, and you're going to get finished. And that's exactly what happened to her. She exposed herself yet again, forcing takedowns, forcing clinch attempts, not touching the body, not doing anything to level the playing field, and, and Jan just outworked her. She just out-hustled her. It was. It her. I can't imagine Mark Henry gave her that fight plan. I can't imagine that he gave her that fight plan. But if he did, that, that's a bad coaching job for him. Most likely, it's something she chose to do on her own once she realized that, that girl was, more athletic, and faster than her, she decided, I've got to get it to the ground. And uh, one last point, even though she's known as this grappler and great wrestler, she's, not really a, she's never been a submission during the UFC. So it's like, I don't understand why you're so good to get the fight to the ground. You don't finish people. You don't finish them with strikes. You don't finish them with submission. So you're spending all your energy to get the fight to the ground that you have shown an inability to control people on the ground and an inability to finish people on the ground. So why are you wasting so much energy trying to get that fight to that spot that you have not really done anything of note from? It's just bad, bad fight IQ. She constantly exposes her weaknesses, and then because she hung in the fight or she was, it was close, she thinks she's won, and really all she's done is set herself up to be beaten. And now I don't know what she does in this weight division. Because this is a girl who's a tough opponent, but she's not a name fighter. So what does she do now? She's like three, four fights away from the title, best case scenario. And if she moves up a weight class, maybe her cardio improves. But the physical advantages she has down here as far as punching power and size, they don't exist up there either. So I feel like she's at a crossroads, and I'm not really sure what she does moving forward. But I was, I was not impressed with that performance. She did the opposite of anything I would have told her to do. And, and while she didn't get knocked out or finished, she did not exactly let light the world on fire. That wasn't really a competitive fight past the first round. And that's a bad time for somebody at her age with her losses in division, as far as getting a title shot or or remaining as a top contender, like a legitimate top contender, not just somebody who has a name as a top contender.
0: So in that sense, though, does this make Jan a top contender? Do you think she uh, could challenge and win the uh, title?
1: I don't know. Um, To be quite honest, I think a lot of her success is based on her volume and her pace, and that's great against somebody like Claudia. That might be great against Ronda Marcos. And Carolina K- Kovačević and some of the girls she's beaten because they're they're all fundamentally flawed. Whether it's a cardio thing, an IQ thing, or just an outright skill thing, they are fundamentally flawed, and that allows her volume and her her activity or her, her her physicality to be to be difference makers against a better caliber fighter. I think that gets exposed because that volume that's used to mask her her limited defense. It's used to mask the fact that she can't fight going backwards her scrambling and the pace she uses that's not really so much great grappling great great grappling great wrestling it's to mask the fact that she doesn't really have a legitimate grapple defensive or counter grappling game she can't stay on the ground for extended periods because she's not very good at defending or, or attacking off her back so she scrambles forces the pace hoping that you'll get t- tired or you'll make a mistake because you're fighting out of the pace you want to you get her down on the ground and you can se- sec- secure secure position you can submit her you can control her, and on the feet, if you're willing to stand your ground and you have a, a fairly, either a methodical, well-structured striking plan, you can walk her in a shot. All Claudia had to do is fake high, and go to the body, punch the body off everything, everything. Change levels, body, body, head. She didn't do that. There's fighters in the division who can. There's fighters in there with educated jabs. So yes, she can physically overwhelm you and use pace, but that's masking the technical and strategical mistakes that she makes. And against a better athlete, with better cardio, who's got similar experience to, to Claudia, that's going to get you beat. It didn't get her beat now because she's fought Pereira, Karan, Kondo, Hill, Kovacic. People were fundamentally flawed. Hill can't grapple or really wrestle. Kovacic has no defense on the feet and refuses to wrestle. Kondo's old and faded. Pereira is a great athlete, but she's technically deficient. So she had the skills and the approach that offsets the things they do because there's so many things they can't do. Claudia Gadelia can't really finish people, can't fight at pace, isn't a good defensive striker. It would, so what do you think is going to happen when you fight a, volume, a big, strong volume fighter? I mean, what, what are we thinking here? So, but against so the, Rose units what happens? If Jessica Andrade is here, what would happen against her? Now we're talking Joanna Jajedric. You think Joanna has a problem with this girl? I don't think so. You know, you start looking up the elite people and you're like, oh, okay, well, she's going to have a problem with this girl. She's going to have a problem with this girl she can have a problem with this girl. Hell, she might even have some problems with Michelle Watterson or Carlos Barza. You know? Because from now on, everybody she fights has a key skill set where they can exploit her in. A spot that if they get her to, they can punish her. Not just get her to a spot and hang tough, they can actually punish or finish her from. And that's something she has not faced in her tie UFC run. They've done a good job developing her, but in her next couple of fights, we're going to see how good she really is. Because she's not going to be able to get by on just volume and activity.
0: That's not going to cut it anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Let's move on and let's talk about this weekend's action because we have Paul Felder stepping in to fight Rafael Dos Anjos on five days notice. Paul Felder is ranked number seven at 155. Uh, Dos Anjos is ranked number 12 at 170. This fight is at lightweight, so 155 again. What do you think about this? Is this a folder being a superman or is this folder making a smart business move to make an extra payday probably getting a, a huge bonus on the back end as well before the holidays
1: um i think it's calculated on this part part of it's the money part part of it's the, the goodwill it builds with the fans part of it's him as a competitor but i think part of it is uh, hasn't been at 55 for, for a while i think his last fight was, was at 70 i think most of his fights have been at 70 and um the fact of the matter is the way he hasn't made in a while. And even though he was great at 55, his last fight at 55, he wasn't spectacular. He's not nearly as physically dominating as he used to be. I don't know that he can consistently fight at the pace that he used to fight. And even though he, he's still an aggressive counter puncher, those aggressive, those aggressive counters aren't quite as sharp or as fast as they used to be. And he's never been super explosive, but he was so quick with the counters. He was so quick, quick to get in your face and, and dictate. Uh, pace and and place of the fight i don't don't know that he's that same fighter physically so i think felder feels like as long as i can keep this fight in stand up exchanges and move around and engage him that i have at least a 50 50 chance of knocking him out because while he's going to put pressure and volume on me and he's a pretty good boxer physically he's not the same fighter you know he's been through a lot of wars he's taken a lot of beatings physically he's not as dynamic or as aggressive or as fast as he used to be so, there should be moments where you can exploit him, at least for the long range. And I'm thinking Felder thinks that he can exploit him. I don't think Felder would take the fight if he didn't think he could win it. So, he sees something in the Sanyos that, uh, that, you know, I, I see as well. He's had problems with these bigger welterweight. You know, they're bigger and stronger, but Felder's fought a welterweight before, too. He fought Mike Perry, who's a very strong welterweight. So, it's not like he can just lean on that and he can just have his way with Felder and just bully him. Felder's comfortable doing that as well. So, I think Felder just really feels that this checks all the boxes payday fan favorite big big main event type fight and a fight that if he wins isn't maybe maybe dothanius isn't ranked through the light heavyweight lightweight but he's still a big name and that would be a big thing to put on his resume they could propel him to maybe getting like a dan hooker again or a uh, or maybe get one of the, one of the fringe contenders like a tony tony ferguson who's kind of far away from the belt you know, maybe he could jump in and get a Michael Chandler. Just something that would put him ahead of the pack in lightweight. You know, I think this is a very strategic move by him.
0: Yeah, it is a very strategic move. I felt the same way because at first you're like, why the hell would you want to do this? You're ranked number seven. you You're Especially with what's going on with the lightweight division, you're not sure who's going to be where, where the title is going to be. Why would you do this now? But I think he's going to get paid handsomely for it. And I think that he can overwhelm Rafael Dos Anjos enough to secure three of those five rounds. I think he's going to come out with a lot of pressure early. And we're going to see him pace himself in a way that can watch him take away some, um, take away some scorecards. So I think this is a, is a calculated risk by Paul Foden. He's going to get paid handsomely for before either way. So I don't think he's worried too much about that. But it is a calculated risk that if he wins, it's a big win for him over a former champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he loses, it, it's a loss still, but it's a fight just on five days notice. You know, the, Donald Cerrone's S- made his name off of taking short notice fights, win or lose. That's helped him craft a persona of a fight anywhere guy which has gotten him paid. I think Felder is taking that on to a certain degree himself. You know, calling out certain guys, trying to fight certain guys. Um, and in Desanos, like I said, he can box and he's got a good, good skill set, but the, the crux of his approach is applying pressure, backing you up, and account, aggressively countering you. So even though he's skilled at what he does, it's not particularly tricky. It's hard to prepare for in the mental aspect of having a guy pressure you, throw that much volume, and attack you, attack you kind of methodically. But as far as actual technique and, and what he's doing and where, he, where he's most effective at, his style is not particularly hard to prepare for. So you got a style that plays to the plays to what you want to do in a fight, and a style that's not particularly hard to prepare for. And even though Felder is not the greatest technician himself, he, he's shown more balance in his fighting. He's willing to not just strike, but transition ranges from strikes into grappling attempts or wrestling attempts. Not saying that he would do that against Dos Anjos, but there's something is shown and it's something he's used to kind of control the pace or to get out of some rough spots. So it's it it he really has nothing to lose in this fight. This is probably one of the best setups he could possibly get. DeSanios can't possibly be prepared for what he, he's going to do because he's, he was preparing for the polar opposite in opponent. The guy he was going to fight had fight nothing like Felder. Nothing as far as athleticism, nothing as far as size, nothing as far as style. Totally different. Totally different um, approach to it. Felder wasn't planning on fighting anybody. You know, he was just staying in shape and staying active. So if he makes a good weight cut, I find this to be a very competitive fight that I don't know that I favor Felder. I don't know who, who I favor in this because Desainos hasn't looked great either. He, he's not on a winning streak. He hasn't been looking better and better. Felder has been. So I, I guess from that perspective, you would favor Felder. He doesn't have the pedigree of Desainos, but the fact of the matter is he's been winning more. He's been fighting more often, and um, and and to be quite I'm quite honest, he's he's had less mileage on him. Desainos has had a rough two years, a rough, rough two year run and I might catch up with them this week.
0: So let's talk about some of the other fights on this card because, like I said, there isn't a lot uh, to talk about in the world of MMA this weekend. We have Kay Hansen making her return. She's pretty high up the card, Shawan. What are your thoughts about that? Because I'm like, sure, they're making an effort to push her, but, man, I didn't expect them to do this this fast with her. Well, it's
1: it's not just that they're pushing her. It's... They're not, at least if they're pushing, they're putting her high in a card, but they're not putting her against an elite caliber opponent. They're, I mean, to be quite honest, Jen Frey is, is a more accomplished, more experienced, more established fighter than, um, than the person she's fighting, uh, Corey McKenna. It's really going to, they're really just, I think they're just high on the fact that she's young. She had a very exciting fight. She has a, a fairly appealing style, and she's a pretty good athlete, and they feel like they can, they have something they can build around. So instead of her throwing her to the shark, they're throwing her to yet another fighter who isn't super experienced or super established or, or super dangerous herself. McKenna's not one of the greatest finishers I've seen. She's not the greatest athlete I've seen. She's not necessarily a, a punishing kind of fighter who just has her way with people. She, she's a good fighter. She's a professional fighter. She's tough. She's durable. She's fairly experienced. But from what I've seen, she's not super dynamic. And I don't know that her I don't know that her defensive grappling is up to par. She she works with, I know she's worked with Team Alpha Male. So you would think she has defensive grappling and some scrambling. But it's one of these fights where I think they're trying to build Hanson. But also if Hanson loses and McKenna gets them burned, I think they'd be okay with that too. I think it's two young people they're putting in to see who's going to take a step forward, who's going to take a step back. Kind of like when they had Cynthia Calvillo fight um, Pearl Gonzalez. One fighter lost, went on to bigger things, another fighter lost, she took a step back. And I think similar situation in this right now. It's a, it's a tough fight for both, but I, I don't know that it, I, I, I think it's 50-50 on both ends. I, I really think it's a 50-50 fight on, on either one. And whoever takes with that fight is g- gonna be who the UFC invests in. But at least in, in this case, they're putting them against fight opponents with comparable experience who are both young and upcoming. So they're not throwing her in the deep end, either one in the deep end, of, and seeing if they can swim, they're actually matching them up appropriately. See if they can build them into something special.
0: Good stuff there, sir. Um, how do you think this fight plays out? Who do you think wins?
1: Um, I think it's similar. I think, it's a certain degree, it'll be similar to the uh, to the um, Gen U Frey fight. There's going to be some exchanges on the feet. Um, I think I think McKenna might be a little bit more have a little, little bit more diversity to her game. I think she might have a little bit more physicality. Ginny Frey has used a, a very specific style that has very clear limitations when she, she's not able to physically dominate an opponent. Um, McKenna is younger. I think her cardio is a little bit better. I think she's maybe not as, I don't want to say defensively sounds and Frey is not defensively sound. I think she's not as careful as Frey, but I think offensively she's a little bit braver. She's a little bit more willing to push the pace. She's a little bit more willing to exchange. So she can take advantage of Hanson in a way that Ginyu Frey wouldn't, because she wouldn't put two or three punches together. She would throw ones and twos, flurry occasionally here and there. I think I think that McKenna is willing to push the pace and press a little bit more, which should open her up to Hanson getting takedowns, getting clinches. And I, I believe if Hanson can, can, can secure takedowns, I think she could probably win scrambles or control her way. Um, you know, maybe get a decision, mixing the wrestling and the striking, and win a decision. You know. Um, I, I would think that's probably how it goes. I don't know that she finishes her, but I think I think Hanson eventually gets her hands on her and kind of just you know kind of out hustles her on the ground and uses the uh, threat of the takedown to kind of have some success on the feet, get takedown, keep the pressure on her, and, and probably win the decision. Maybe maybe finish. I don't I don't know about a finish, but I think she I think she should be able to win a fairly a fairly uh, a fairly dominant a fairly dominant. Um,
0: all right there sir um what else on this car stands out to you i was looking at it trying to pick it apart and i'm like this car fucking sucks and i'm so glad i don't have to work this weekend but what else stands out to you on, on this car for this this saturday
1: well the biggest thing that knows me it's not so much the fight it's like some of the uh, fighters in it, like eric anders at one point he was considered possibly the future of the light heavyweight division, and that kind of went bad for him, and then he started, you know, fighting at the uh, middleweight division, or he started middleweight with a flight heavyweight, either way, the fact of the matter is at one point, he was supposed to be someone who was going to be a name guy, and probably a future condition, and people were talking about a future champion, because he used to be a high-level football player, and he had great athleticism, and that was going to take him to the top, you know, and after he had a, a pretty decent start, you know, winning two fights in the UFC, you know, he got smashed by e- e- Leota. He wins another fight. And he goes on a on a three fight losing streak. You know, it's it's basically been very uneven performances for him after after that after he went on that 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 two or three fight win losing win streak. He won two fights and then from that point on he'd win a few, lose a few, lose a few, win a few. He's just bare, been very uneven and at one point they were thinking this was gonna be the guy who's gonna turn the whole division turn the whole division around. You know, he's gonna be a dominant middleweight. Then he moved to the light heavyweight because he thought it was a weight issue, and then he struggled there, and he just found out that athleticism alone is never going to be enough for you to dominate at the elite level, and this is yet another example of it. Um, so it, it was, it, it's j- jarring to see where he's at at this point in his career. Like, it, I, I don't know that he ever really made a complete comeback. The opponent he's facing isn't, isn't great. You know, I mean, and uh, I just – I really don't know what they're going to do with him at this point, to be quite honest. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But at one point, he was considered a uh, can miss prospect. And since that point, he has been nothing but uneven. And, and to be honest, based on his athletic ability, somewhat disappointing. Um, the other thing on there, they got Random Marcos fighting. Uh, she just lost her last fight preview to this and um, against um, Mackenzie Dern. And she's another fighter who... Was an outstanding physical talent, had a good skill set, but was never able to put it together. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one, finally lost two in a row, and somebody who, who was, they thought could really be a cornerstone of the vision, and essentially has just turned into a journey, a journey woman. You know, she's had more attention because it's tough, but she's never been able to turn the corner and become the fighter that they, they really thought she was gonna be. And she just never put it together, and it's just yet a, another example of having a fighter with great physical tools who has been unable. She put it all together and turned the corner to become a better fighter i think she's gotten comfortable fighting at the camp she's been at i think when she moved to another camp and they challenged her to expand her horizon and do some things that were difficult she went back to being doing was comfortable and it's put a hard cap on her ceiling as a fighter she's a good enough athlete and a decent enough fighter where she can be a tough out for anybody but she can't consistently win and if you can't consistently win if you win you can't ever really become highly rate fire. You can't ever really become a star. You definitely can't ever be, become somebody who's challenging for a title fight. She's basically a journeywoman, a high-level journeywoman, who tells fighters if they're ready to move to the next level or if they need to work some more.
0: How but do you think
1: it's the hard fight plays out for her? Uh, I mean, she's more experienced than this girl. I, it's hard for me to imagine her losing, losing two in a row, but this girl can wrestle a little bit younger and she seems to be a little bit she seems to be a little bit more of a disciplined fighter you know there's not much structure to what Brandon Marcos does there's not a strike to wrestles to grapple it's just very hodgepodge and based on her aggression and her athleticism I don't think there's very much structure I don't know that she's super disciplined she's just so tough and she's such a great athlete but she consistently gives you ways to lose you know what I'm gonna say she loses her third fight in a row uh, she's got a better level of experience but with all her experience, she still fights like a complete, complete idiot. I mean, she just does. I saw an interview where she lost the reconsider. She's like, my daughter had a rock, so I just jumped down on her. And she makes it seem like she made one, one mistake and she got finished. And it's not she made multiple mistakes. You didn't have a rock. You, re- you realize she was hurt on the ground. And instead of disengaging, you continue to engage with her. And she's like, well, I just made a mistake. But it's the same mistake you've made for years. And that's what it is. It's no isolated incident. It's a historical trend no matter what. What fight she gives and no matter what advantage she has, she will find some way to put herself in a bad spot. It's just a matter of whether her opponent is a good enough athlete and a smart enough knife fighter to exploit it. This girl she's fighting isn't super experienced. Um, Kanaka, Marada isn't, isn't excuse me, let me say her name right. Kanako Marada is not super experienced on the level of Marcos, but she's a much cleaner fighter. She seems much more disciplined and she seems to be much more structured deliberate in what she's doing. It's not just, I'm going to do whatever. I want to see whatever happens and make my move. She has a structure and a plan and alternatives and counters that she's going to work through. Now, she probably has to face an athlete at Marcos' level, which would give Marcos an advantage, but Marcos could win a fight. She could finish a fight, but Marcos just makes so many mistakes. It's hard for me to pick anybody. It's hard for me to pick anybody to get beat by her because she makes so many mistakes so consistently. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say, that this girl beats her for a third, lo- third, lo- third loss in a
0: row. All right. So you're not holding it back tonight. Not at all. And I love it. Um, what do you have going on for you? What are you working on?
1: Um, like I said, I'm usually working on my, uh, my, um, my articles, or fight articles, just kind of gathering and stuff. So I have it when it's ready. Um, I wasn't. I was going to do an article on the Devin Haney fight this weekend, but I, I decided not to because it, it just wasn't a very good fight. Right? And, and since I didn't do the article, I'm just going to highlight these points right on the show because we have boxing fans now, so we'll just let them in. Devin Haney is one of the young, light, lightweights who's coming up. Pio Fimo, Javonta Davis, Devin Haney, um, you know, all, all, Ryan Garcia, stuff, guys like that. And everybody's trying to jockey to get positioned to, to get big fights, to get pay-per-view fights get the fans on the side and establish it there, the young lion who's going to take over boxing. Haney had a chance to fight and put a punctuation mark and show that he was head and shoulders above guys by fighting a guy who gave Tank Davis a very tough fight. Unfortunately, in this fight, he dominated, but he didn't look impressive. He didn't look dynamic. He didn't show real world-class power. He didn't show the ability to just put on an entertaining fight. He just put on a workmanlike performance against a guy who had lost his last fight and somehow off that loss tumbled into another title fight. So, Devin Haney kind of exposed himself because Davis had the dynamic knockout. Teofimo Lopez beat the pound-for-pound pound number one guy in Lomachenko. And here's Devin Haney going 12 rounds with a guy who lost to Davis and a guy who hasn't really been a lead in the past three to five years. After, clearly, after Devin Haney and his father spent a lot of time talking about how we're the class of division, we've got the athleticism, we've got the tools, we've got the skills, and then you put on a performance like that you draw a lot of attention and when you draw that kind of attention you have to execute he executed a good te- technical fight but he didn't execute an exciting fight or a punctuating type of performance that says hey he's on level of these two other guys in fact this fight might have done more damage to any momentum he has because he's still calling for Fimo. and Fimo's like i beat lomachenko you struggle with gamboa that's no good hey i'm calling out tank davis Tate Davis is like, I had the best knockout of the year on a pay-per-view against a four-weight a four, four division champion. You struggle with a guy who I beat, who I stopped. So, so it, it's a reminder of how important it is for fighters to master the craft and pick their spots when they want to sell themselves, they want to establish their brand, they want, want to assert themselves as a kind of fighter or, or, or a certain caliber fighter. Because we live in a 24-7 media culture nowadays. So everything you say and everything you pointed out will be brought to your attention and will be called out if and when you lose or worse yet, if and when you just struggle. A win is no longer a win nowadays. There's winning and then there's winning to impressively and dominantly. Devin Haney didn't do that. And as a result, his brand's taking kind of a hit because he's calling out the best guys in the division. They came off impressive wins against better competition. He struggled with the guys who, uh, who if he's who he says he is, he shouldn't struggle. So it's just a reminder to fighters, hey, you need to make sure you call your shot and you do the research and you're very careful in how you, how you frame yourself and how you sell yourself because if you're not what you said you were, you don't deliver on what you told us you were going to deliver on. It doesn't hurt us as a fan because, you know, we're not in there fighting. We're not – we don't know you. You're not going to hurt our – you're not going to hurt our feelings. You're not going to hurt our, hurt our standing in life but it is gonna hurt your income. It's gonna hurt your ability to leverage yourself into better fight. It's gonna hurt your reputation and my interest in seeing you fight. Cause I've seen you fight three or four times and I ain't seen nothing special yet. So when you go to pay for you, do I wanna sign on for that? No. And if I don't have an interest in you, now you've gotta chase these fighters because you can't generate interest on your own. So you have to build your brand and you have to be clear in the direction you're going in and how you build that brand so that you don't put yourself in positions now you have the damage control where it's, oh, he's a savvy veteran fighter. He knows how to survive. You know he was a world champion. Yeah, I knew that stuff before, but you told me you were going to go out and dominate. You told me it wouldn't be close. You told me you were going to have your way with them. That didn't happen. So now I have to question everything you say going forward until you come back out and put on a performance that gives a certain caliber of opponent. And until that happens, you put yourself, you put a target on your back. And say you have money and you can say I don't know the sport. You can say fans don't know the sport. Maybe we don't. We know what we saw on Saturday night. An uninspired performance against a very flawed, very limited, shot-worn fighter. You can't have that kind of performance and tell me you're the best in the world. That's not how it works. I mean, you can, but you're just hurting your own argument. I listen to T.O. Fimo. I listen to Jervon Davis. I might even listen to Ryan Garcia, even though his competition is great. At least he's dominating him. But I'm not going to listen to tell me you're the best and everybody's a level below you and everybody's scared of you. You're struggling with a guy who's seven years past his prime and three weight classes out of his division. I'm not going to hear it.
0: Swan so, I mean, man. You've been pumping him out uh, the past couple weeks, and I appreciate you for doing so, sir. Uh, I am covering a world of professional wrestling as usual. Uh, I might get back into some MMA writing this week. It's just been a long week, man. I just need to uh, sit nice. my ass
1: Try to do MMA because professional wrestling, if you really understand it, the, the art form, it's got so many layers. It's like it's, I mean, all MMA is is unscripted. Professional wrestling, if you look at how the fighters cut promos and the promoters do this, Dana White knows what he's doing. He's pulling a Vince Man. He knows, knows what he's doing. All it is is the fights aren't scripted, but it's the business models, how you build build them. It's if you really know the sport, really know both, it's stunning how similarly paced and how similarly placed they are are so i don't understand how you would have the time to focus on mma when there's so many levels and wrestling is so much more open than mma if, yeah, There's there's so, so many much going
0: levels, on too so there's many there's stories so to,
1: to cover problem. like you know we you have 15 stories to choose from minimum 15 i i, I guess, let's say 25 you can pick from mma is yeah, you know it's real it's real specific it's real specific it's different
0: I will look into it, sir, but there is a, you know, I look into it as much as I possibly can. There's just so much to cover, but you're right, dude. You're right. There's always something going on, but um, as always, man, I want to thank you again for hopping on the show this week. We had a couple of minor technical difficulties, but it's all good because it's a light week and there's nothing really to talk about. Well, there's plenty to talk about, but you know, it is what it is. We will be back next week to talk about the world of MMA, talk about these fights from this weekend. And some oh, more thing. Anybody else like,
1: checked out Queen's Gambit? That's a good show.
0: I have no idea what that is, but I will look into that too, man. Queen's Gambit. I'll check that out. But yeah. thank you again, everybody, for checking out the MMA Ratings podcast. This is episode 185. And since we missed it on the earlier part of the show, you can catch us across all of our platforms on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Breaker, and YouTube. MMA Ratings. And you can hit us up at MMA Ratings Net on Instagram and Twitter and mmaratings.net or .com um, to check out our flagship. I am R Garcia underscore sports and Swan Hughes Black Jordan Breen. And we will be back next week to talk about more that goes on this week. <laughs> but everyone have a great night and we'll see you then. All right, have a good